0: Sometimes we just have to ask, is it depression? Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. I'm your host, Anna lindberg Cedar. This is not therapy. This is real life. Today, we're looking at that word depression. What do we mean by that? Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know anything about depression because that word feels so clinical or so unlike their experience, which doesn't mean it's not happening. So let's take a look at depression today, what we mean by that, how you might recognize it in your own life, and what to do about it. So one thing I just want you to keep in mind is know that we're going to talk about a self-care framework today and things that you might want to know and understand when you think about confronting depression and taking care of yourself. I want you to know that if you're in crisis and if you're worried about hurting yourself or getting into any kind of unsafe situation, you should stop listening to the podcast and access a crisis resource. A lot of people take advantage of the support from crisistextline.org in the U.S. Or if you Google crisis resources near me, you might access um, other resources and options for you there. So do take care of yourself if you are feeling Um, in any kind of immediate danger, and stick around in the meantime if you're interested in learning about signs of depression and how to take care of yourself. That's another misconception that people will often tell me. They'll say, I'm not in crisis, so dot, dot, dot. And oftentimes dot, dot, dot means that means... I don't have, I don't need support, or I can do it on my own, or I'm not depressed, because again, we don't relate to that word. So before we launch into a little explainer on depression, we'll look at the ways that um, we assess for depression clinically, if you are going to therapy, but also we'll look for ways to describe it in, you know, real life language. Before we do that, let's just do a little mini review to think first about what are emotions because depression is one of them. But we have to remember that emotions are functional. Any emotion that we have is an extension of the physical sensors that we have in our body. Emotions are the accumulation of input and data that you've put together in your mind and body. So it's kind of like that old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. And when you're happy, that's a sign of you getting your needs met and feeling enjoyment. And that feels very good and comfortable. When you feel fearful, that's a cue for you to check out your surroundings and see if you're safe or in or if you're in danger, you are going that emotion is gonna trigger you to get you to safety. Depression is the same. Depression is trying to communicate something to you about your needs. So when you look at the functions of emotions, you could even go back to an earlier episode where we talk about what are emotions. I talk there about the three basic functions of emotions. This is what dialectical behavior therapy reminds us that emotions: number one, give us community, give us information about our own needs. Number two, emotions communicate our needs to other people; they can read it on our face, oftentimes. And number three emotions motivate behavior. That's what DBT, which is the accumulation of a lot of different research about understanding human behavior, that's what DBT says we should keep in mind when we look at emotions. So looking at depression within that frame, we can understand depression is trying to tell you something. And Depression is oftentimes trying to communicate to you that, you know, perhaps there's a problem in your environment or a relationship that is no longer feeling healthy or satisfying. You might have a physical problem that could lead to depression, such as a vitamin deficiency or or a hormonal imbalance, this is why it's so important when you're asking the question, is it depression? You need to think holistically and you need to check in with your doctor, check in with your environment, check in with your, um, your pay scale. When's the last time you got a raise? Depression is functional. It helps us stay aware of any kind of misalignment whether that's physical, spiritual, emotional, or relational. You shouldn't ignore it. A lot of people are tempted to ignore um, any of those emotions that don't feel so sweet and cozy like happiness or contentment or calmness emotions that are uncomfortable, like anger or frustration or depression often get ignored. And yet what we want to understand is that depression does point us in the direction of our needs. How do you define depression clinically? One of the most common tools that you will find when you look for signs of depression is a quick screener. Often doctors will use this in their short visits. Uh, Many therapists will use this as well to track the effectiveness of therapy when you're doing depression management. This screener is called the Patient Health Questionnaire, PHQ-9 for short and it asks you about the nine central questions that we ask when we look for depression. This is the way that researchers have put it together to ask for some of the most common signs of depression. So I'll read them to you and you can go ahead and think along um, for yourself if you've had any of these experiences. So Depression is defined as uh, an episode that lasts at least two weeks. That's the minimum cutoff for depression. This is not just feeling sad. Um, We'll talk about the difference between sadness and depression in in a minute. But depression lasts at least two weeks. And for you to qualify for for having had a depressive episode, you need to have had at the same time at least five of the next nine possible signs of depression. And as you listen to this, of course, you want to wait till you talk to a provider to think about any official diagnosis. Uh, These are just things that you can keep in mind um, as you build awareness of your own signs of stress. But this is what we ask about when we look for depression. So in over the past two weeks, how often have you been bothered by any of the following problems? Number one, little interest or pleasure in doing things. This means things that you would usually enjoy, you're just not interested in. Number two, feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. Number three, trouble falling or staying asleep or sleeping too much. Number four, feeling tired or having little energy. Number five, poor appetite or overeating. Number six, feeling bad about yourself or that you're a failure or that you have let yourself or your family down. Number seven, trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper or watching videos online, things that you would typically be able to pay attention to. Number eight, moving or speaking so slowly that other people could have noticed. Or the opposite, being so fidgety or restless that you've been moving around a lot more than usual. Number nine, thoughts that you would be better off dead or of hurting yourself. Number nine, that's the one where you should consider phoning a friend, a doctor, a crisis resource to check in with someone. So overall, um, the PHQ-9, it would ask you some more questions about if you had any of those things, how often you had them, How much it bothered you and you would talk with your provider about uh, any other possible causes of depression like physical causes or changes in diet or medications but isn't it interesting when you listen in on that checklist to notice that your provider is really asking you for signs of changes in feelings you know your mood motivation your physical well-being your thoughts thoughts about yourself your self-esteem all of those are different ways that you might experience depression and no one has the exact same experience of depression you you do mix and match. Mm -hmm. I, as a therapist, have worked for many years now with folks uh, across cultures uh, with many different forms of depression, postpartum depression, depression that overlaps with traumatic history, physically induced depression, depression that overlaps with other mood states like mania, as you might see in bipolar disorder. So there really is no one cookie-cutter experience of depression, which is why it's so important to think about for yourself, hmm, I wonder, does depression run in my family? What would that look like for me to feel less motivated or less interested in doing the things that I normally enjoy? How would I first Notice that. So I'll share with you something I've learned about myself. I don't know if this, if I think I've paid more attention to this over the years, Um, but I've noticed that when I get sick, if I get like a little, you know, bug or a cold or a little flu or something a few days before I get physically sick, I'll feel kind of moody, grumpy, uh, kind of pessimis- pessim- messy, kind of pessimistic and grouchy. My patience gets a little bit short. I would call that a little bit of a little touch of depression. Uh, now, it doesn't meet that full-on criteria, that two-week period. That would be called major depression, and you could think for yourself If you've ever had a period of more days than not, Um, but it is, it is good to ask yourself, what are the first signs of depression for me? And the better, the better you can describe that for yourself, the quicker you will be to catch it and interrupt it. So, this is where in therapy I invite my clients to really get creative when they describe what depression feels like to them. Of course, we use those surveys and we stay accountable and we track how effective we're being. At the same time, it's good to have a sense of humor about it. So, some of my clients might say something like, um, you know, we use language like, oh, I'll wake up in the morning with mental B.O., it's kind of like stinking thinking or I mentioned before, kind of feeling pessy-messy. You can make up a word, you can make up any word. It really doesn't matter how you describe it. Research shows, it helps to talk about it. And when we talk about these experiences, we give language, which is automatically soothing, And when we put language to these experiences, it forces us to edit that oftentimes ugly first draft that comes with depression, that kind of negative outlook. When we share that experience with another human being, or even if we journal about it, it forces our brain to put words to our experience. And it also forces us to be accountable and and pick words that are accurate. Whereas with depression, oftentimes you might notice uh, that experience becoming exaggerated or fueling itself or going around unchecked, right? That inner critic, that really negative outlook. When we try to look for what depression is, we want to look at what it is not. It's not sadness. It's not just a... Sadness is an emotion that comes um, and goes, and we feel it uh, when something feels sad. Depression is when we start to feel stuck. No matter what we do, the things that would usually trigger joy or happiness don't do that anymore. Depression is also not the same thing as grief or bereavement which is a natural expression of loss when you lose someone who is important to you. And depression may overlap with trauma. It's important when you talk with your therapist or medical provider if you are feeling depressed. It's important to talk about um, whether or not you've had any difficult experiences in your life because it turns out the things that help you feel better after trauma are a little bit different and they include some special considerations. A lot of people don't want to talk about those experiences. It's actually helpful to bring it up so that your provider can help you do that in a way that makes you feel safe and comfortable. So I've already told you about kind of the the bad news of depression. Depression is not comfortable. It's one of those emotions that people usually tell me they would rather not have. They'd rather just delete it from their experience. Uh, They'd rather avoid it. And we talked about how it can be functional. It can point out problems in your life. It can definitely be that kick in the pants. And at the same time, the good news is that we know how to treat depression. Depression is not one of these incurable diseases that we don't know anything about. We know a lot about depression. It turns out that depression is incredibly common. If you look up statistics on um, NIMH which is a great source of information you'll see that it somewhere around 7 to 10% depending on the population you're looking at experiences major depression so that's a lot probably someone you know or in your family is dealing with it whether you recognize it or not but the good news is we know we know what works and part of integrated care means that there's no wrong, there's no wrong way to, to, to start. You can start by talking to a therapist. You can start by talking to a trusted medical provider. Everyone in the, um, the medical field and therapy field, they are trained and licensed to recognize the basic signs of depression. And if you talk to someone that you trust, and if they can't help you, It's their job to help point you in the right direction. So, the good news is you can just start with any trusted provider. You can go through your insurance plan or uh, look for a therapist in your area. Therapyforreallife.com gives overviews of different example therapy styles to help you get a hint of what you might be interested in. But here are some examples. If you're feeling depressed, And you're noticing, I just don't feel like myself, whether you meet criteria for that full depressive episode or not, here are some things that you can do to take care of yourself while feeling depressed. One of the most effective strategies for managing depression is a very basic and simple, that doesn't always mean easy, but it's a pretty simple strategy, and it's called behavioral activation. All that means is that you you are able to activate the mood that you want to have through your behavior. The number one myth or mistake that people make that they tell me about, they tell me, I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. It's kind of like, the writer who doesn't feel inspired, so they don't sit down to write ten minutes every day when they should. That's what behavioral activation is. We have really good research that shows if you are in a funk, if you're stuck, and you want to trigger the mood you want to have, it could be happiness. It could just be simple neutral satisfaction. Uh, that would that would mean a lot. Then you should do the behaviors of someone who has that mood. So if you were doing behavioral activation with your therapist, your therapist would probably ask you about times in your life when you felt confident, happy, content. And if, you, if that feels challenging even and you can't think of a big period of your life where that was true, your therapist would ask you about exceptions to that. When was the one time when you felt a teeny tiny bit of it? And if you still feel stretched, because sometimes depression will do that, your therapist will give you ideas of pleasurable activities that you can do. And in fact, if you scroll through the Therapy for Real Life episode library, you'll see at least a couple that you could try out, like uh, 50 small things you could do to moose your food right now. Those are some suggestions. What other options do you have? Cognitive behavioral therapy also has a lot of good research behind it. So this is where you look at the thinking mistakes that might show up with depression, like I'm unworthy or nobody loves me or I'm a good for nothing. We know that that is what Depression will make you think. That is one of the symptoms of depression are those negative thinking patterns. Cognitive behavioral therapy, you can do this with your therapist, and they will give you coaching on how to reframe those negative thoughts into thoughts that feel true and empowering. Just like with behavioral activation, you know, we don't want you to pretend that you feel Something that you don't feel. This is not quite fake it till you make it, whether it's in your behavior or with cognitive behavioral therapy through your thinking. I I don't want you to tell yourself a lie. I do want you to focus on the thing that feels true and empowering. So for myself, I notice if I'm having a really difficult day or someone comes to me with a problem that I can't solve, they can't solve, and we're sitting with that pain that's really, really hard, I will remind myself, well, I'm going to do the best that I can, right, to help that person, to sit with that discomfort with them. I'm going to do the very best I can. And cognitive behavioral therapy shows that the way we think about things motivates your behavior, So if you're feeling stuck, when I ask you to do behavioral activation and start doing those activities of someone that feels kind of good, you might want to combine that with the cognitive behavioral part of, I think I can, and let me try it, and that's worth a shot. Great. Other strategies that work, uh, problem-solving therapy also works really well. This is where your therapist will teach you how to tackle problems one by one. So we know that depression is often fueled by stress. So problem-solving allows you to tackle problems little by little. You don't have to move mountains, but little by little, which slowly reduces your stress over time and also increases that feeling of competence, which makes you feel good and helps you tackle depression, which is a big problem. A couple things you should just consider when you think about depression. If you are feeling really, really depressed, depression's not a great time to meditate specifically on that feeling. So you'll hear me talk about mindfulness in other episodes, and oftentimes I talk about how to take care of yourself. If you're practicing mindfulness with trauma, often depression can feel kind of traumatic in that way too. So when you move your attention where you want to have it and you pay attention to what matters with you, with depression, you're going to feel the urge to go back into that negative thought cycle, and that negative, that inaction behavior loop. And What I invite you to do with any of those strategies we talked about, whether it's getting your behavior in alignment and doing the things that will make you feel good or thinking the things that will make you feel good or solving problems. I want you to think about that equal and opposite motivator that's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel for you out of depression. So when it's hard to practice any of these self-care strategies, I invite you to think about it. If you don't have an answer right away, that's okay. You can think about what is my light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's hope of a better future or knowing that you're not always going to feel this way or maybe people rely on you or you're part of something Bigger than yourself, and you want to be part of something positive, whatever that motivator is for you, now is a good time to connect with that. And you can pair that motivation with any of the strategies that we talked about. So go ahead and ask yourself that question today Is it depression? And if it is, just know that you are welcome to the club, you are not alone. And there are a lot of amazing resources out there, so feel free to scroll through the Therapy for Real Life podcast feed, or the at Therapy for Real Life Instagram feed, where you'll see a lot of handouts on depression recently. Or therapyforreallife.com.